Welcome to the Pike Podcast. The Pike Podcast is here to inform and inspire your fraternal experience. Topics covered include leadership, how to improve chapter operations, and how to improve yourself. We'll break down some of our most dynamic resources, from entire areas of programming to specific tools and strategies, to deliver an in-depth, comprehensive look at the elements that make our chapters successful. You can find other episodes and show notes at pikes.org slash podcasts, or look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the Pike Podcast. My name is Jarrett Way, Director of Educational Content Strategy with the Pi Kappa Alpha International Fraternity. And for today's episode, I am happy to have on our very own Chief Operating Officer, Lance Horner. Lance, thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Lance Horner. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Pi Kappa Alpha International Fraternity. Part of my job is I oversee uh, our undergraduate operations. So everything from our expansion and recruitment departments to our alumni and volunteers, as well as our directors of services and our services that are servicing all our chapters in our colonies. Excellent. Well, Lance, today I brought you on because we are talking about a very exciting topic, which is the fraternity standards. And I know in your role, in your day-to-day, you have become intimately familiar with these fraternity standards. So I wanted to approach this for a chapter that might not have a fundamental understanding of these standards, or maybe a chapter that does and has those conversations within the chapter but maybe doesn't understand the gravity of these standards and how it relates to them as undergraduates. So we can jump right in here. First and foremost, I want to hear from you in your own words. What are the fraternity standards and why do we have them? Sure. The fraternity standards could be looked at through, through a number of lenses, uh, a governing document of sorts, um, our public value statement and, and through some lenses, but really to ensure uh, as best it can that our, the health and safety of our chapters and our members are adhered to. And why do we have this expectation that our chapters are adhering to these standards? Right. Uh, the hope is that uh, this provides a lifelong fraternity experience. And the mission of our organization is development of integrity, intellect, and higher moral character to truly foster a lifelong fraternal experience. This helps or hopefully helps aid in that, that process. And what is the expectation in terms of education at the chapter level for these standards? Yep. The fraternity standards are not a new document. Uh, this is this is a document that's been ratified at every convention I have been to in almost my nine years of fraternity staff, uh, and probably even older, it predates me for sure. Uh, this document is not new to our new members, at least for the last four years. When our new members go to pikes.org and create their MyPike account for the first time, this is one of the many documents they're expected to read uh, and sign. It signifies that they understand it and will adhere to this document. Also a document that our, our chapter officers uh, would have seen or will have seen the last uh, number of years signing, read and signed, uh, indicating that they've read it to all their membership each semester or each quarter, as it were, and send it back to us indicating that they've done such. Lance, a lot of times when I think about my experience traveling, working with a lot of different chapters around North America, I see the education for these standards isolated to maybe just the president or perhaps the executive board. but. It should go beyond that, right? This education component. This is something that every single one of our members should be reading, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the fraternity has been very intentional with its education on the fraternity standards. They've been in the MyPike Resources portal for a number of years. We, through our Pike University curriculum, be it leadership summits and all our memberships, uh, be it the chapter executives conference, the president's track is, is pretty heavy in this, but there are also components of the standards that, that speak to the chapter treasury where our treasurer would go through it or recruitment, alcohol and recruitment is, pro- is prohibited through the standards. And so we talk about it there. We also provide it uh, at the academy and we talk about it at great lengths 
more often than not due to the loss of chapter for violation of these fraternity standards at our conventions. So I want to jump right into it, Lance. I want to go through these standards uh, from a higher level right now. They're broken up into these different sections. So we have alcohol and drugs. We have hazing. We have sexual abuse, fire health and safety, education, and then this advisory support component. So again, as someone whose day-to-day is intimately involved with these fraternity standards in your communication with undergraduates, alumni, universities, for alcohol and drugs to start out with, maybe what are some of the misconceptions you see about some of these standards or what are some of the standards here that are violated quite frequently? Again, quite frequently, maybe it's relative. Uh, our, <laughs> right. <laughs> our, uh, our undergraduates change over every four years. The dynamics of a chapter change. And in lack of transition, lack of intentional understanding or reaching out to make them clear, uh, to, to better educate our membership or better educate ourselves as leaders. And I use leaders in twofold. One, leaders in, in title, but also leadership in name. You know, scholars, leaders, athletes, gentlemen. And so are the members reaching out and, and trying to look through this and understand? And, and really, how does it apply to me right now? How does it, this might, may not apply to us at all. Some of these things we can't do because of the number of things, the law, state, local, and federal. Maybe it's the university codes that it's something codified in there, Greek life, IFC policies, our own chapter bylaws. And that's great that all these things are codified in those very different sections. It just uh, impresses upon the importance of, of the, these, these aspects, and especially in the wake of the ever-changing landscape of fraternity and sorority life and the lack of tolerance for for some of these, and we'll get into a few of them here in a moment, I'm sure, the impact it has or the negative impact, as it were, on our memberships and their membership experience. So are there any of these that you would like to highlight right now that we may just want to focus on in terms of perception from our undergraduates? Sure. Alcohol and drugs being one. Uh, alcohol will, will probably be in a number of these, um, the hazing and the, the, the sexual abuse. Right. The drugs piece, a number of our chapters, especially in states where marijuana is now legal uh, due to state laws that have passed. Is it legal to to have that, to, to, to partake in that in our chapter facilities, uh, at our chapter events, on chapter property? And the answer is no. It's, it's stated right there at the very top, state, local, and federal laws. And at, at present, uh, it is a violation of the federal statute to partake and to have that. I think a lot of the reason, Lance, why we push as an international fraternity for the education by all of our chapter members for these fraternity standards is that we are combating a lot of cultures on our campuses. We have chapters that belong to Greek communities that might not have the best culture, especially surrounding alcohol and drugs. And it's very easy for some of our chapters to just assimilate to that culture. But when it comes to it, at the end of the day, we still have these fraternity standards for a reason, to keep ourselves safe. And I would say that alcohol and drugs is one of the hardest ones to deal with because of the cultures that we see on these campuses. Right. I think all our chapters are, are pretty competitive and want to be the best on their campus. And and the best isn't just uh, excluded to the a- academics or the athletic field. The health and safety of our members and our guests are paramount. And it also, having that as a focus enables us to have a long-lasting chapter. I tell our chapters all the time that you're stewards of this chapter. Be it a founding father and you started out creating this, maybe you're early on in, in your fraternal experience, the chapter experience, and just getting up and going on your feet after you've had the, the charting process, or maybe you're a long-standing chapter that has a history of success or a history of standing at your institution's campus. You are stewards of that experience for those to come in the future and those who put in the work before. 
again, paramount that, that we focus on the on these uh, because the university is is now becoming a zero tolerance landscape and the fraternity is. You know, at the convention in 2018, we drew a line in the sand that we will no longer tolerate actions that violate the fraternity standards, especially uh, in areas of hazing. And in since September, we've lost eight chapters. Some, some of those due to hazing, some of those due to, to other things, uh, low numbers, uh, financial components, but the bulk of them is due to alcohol and specifically alcohol and, and hazing involvement. I love that, that piece you said about how our undergraduates that belong to their chapters are stewards of their chapters. Unfortunately, there have been chapters, like you said, that have been shut down, ended, that have decades-long history because one member violated one standard. And in today's climate, that's all it takes, right? It, it takes something that simple to end such a legacy for, in some cases. Sure, the fairness question comes up a lot, right? Is it fair that one person violated is reflective of the entire chapter? Perhaps not, but habitual offenders. You talk about culture in big C. Do we have a culture of accountability? The beauty of fraternity is that when done right, it can be the best experience for a collegian. Part of that is being a part of the Greek community, you hold yourself to a higher standard. Hopefully being a part of Pi Kappa Alpha, you hold yourself to even higher standard. So are we, do we have a history of holding our members accountable, uh, being self-governing? That's kind of the education part of the organization that, that provides you with growth and the ability to be a leader and have those tough conversations. More and more often, our membership maybe not be having those tough conversations early on. And as, a, as an outcome of that, when we do have violations and chapters are sanctioned and now to the point where you know, some of these are removal from campus for maybe a semester, maybe a year. That's loss of momentum. That's loss of membership. That's also loss of continuity in operations. Um, it's a morale killer for our membership. It's a right. morale killer for our volunteers. But the bigger one is that when we're gone for an extended period of time, you know, those four and five year removals with the chance of return for a renewed expansion process become six and seven now or in perpetuity. Many communities now are moving to a deferred recruitment model or being very selective with who they allow on campus and for what reason. And so do does the fraternity, does Pi Cap Alpha have a history of holding their members accountable? Granted, certainly there could be a few rotten apples that run it for the rest of us. But it is becoming harder and harder for us to return to communities. And again, going back to that stewardship, you, know, you lose the membership. And for many of our undergraduates, they view the fraternity experience as four years. Well, we don't believe that because it's a, it's a lifelong fraternal commitment. Uh, but members identify with their fraternal experience because they have their chapter on their campus. And they're, they're providing a value add for their community. In the absence of that, a lot of our volunteers are lost. A lot of our alumni are lost. And our membership and those who come behind us are, are shortchanged on being able to have that fraternity experience. It's just simply not worth it to not be educated on these standards, especially the ones that we see less and less of a tolerance for historically. And you hit on it a little bit already, Lance, but let's move into hazing. What are you seeing there? Sure. Uh, physical aspect of, of hazing is still, still ongoing. Uh, early morning runs, PT, uh, alcohol and the mentor-mentee process, formerly known as the big brother, little brother process, is still uh, we found, especially even this last academic year, in going from no alcohol in that, in that process. Educating our members on alcohol during ritual. Uh, what is ritual? Again, goes back to educating our membership and make, making the standards clear. I think our members in this area have a hard time grasping with the vagueness on what is and isn't hazing. Right, right. And one point I like to make is that when we talk about hazing, we talk about these gray areas and that vagueness. A lot of it is a conversation of intention versus action. And a lot of times it comes down to just this culture aspect. Some chapters should know that they have a higher propensity 
to break these hazing violations just based on maybe the type of men they have in their organization or some individuals that they have in their organization and not to paint with a broad brush. But those chapters absolutely need to be familiar with these fraternity standards because they're playing with fire if they have a higher propensity to break, especially something like a hazing violation. Right. The hazing violations are more often than not geared to our new members. Uh, you as a leader of your chapter, you know your members. You've been with them for, for a period of time. You know the habitual offenders. Uh, even those those small conversations that might be in jest with no members around oftentimes fester if coming unche- going unchecked. We know when the peak times are. It's almost like a bell curve. We know early during in the middle of the semester we're going to have probably a number of big brother, little brother situations that may come up. We may have physical activity that it's involved, late night hours. Uh, during the, the last week of the process, formerly known as ingress, that historically has been a, been a situation this year. Uh, fortunately for us, it hasn't been because we decided to devolve from the ingress process. We know that certain times, you know, just our, our ritual, and I use little r, big r, fraternity ritual, big r, chapter rituals or customs or traditions as they were, and those traditions, as you know, could be one month old, two years old, eons of years old. Right. But those traditions, for instance, having new members live in the house. While seemingly at the surface level, intentionally, no issue there, wanting them to be together, get to know each other, be with them for what is probably uh, the incoming to their their fraternal experience of, of initiation. But at the same time, going back to what is our new member process? Is the new member process just an onboarding process or are they having to prove something? We were intentional with giving our bids out because we saw that these men are, are provide a value add. Then why would we devolve that process into something else? And so by having them sleep over at the house, while seemingly harmless, maybe we have one or two of those members that want to take advantage of those situations. And while maybe in fun and jest, with if gone unchecked, could lead to tainting that member's experience, or the loss of a chapter. And that just goes back to, again, the culture, the propensity to violate one of these standards. And I think especially alcohol and drugs and hazing, sometimes that's a crucial conversation that needs to be had within the chapter from the top down if you know that you're a chapter that struggles with these types of cultures. No doubt. No one wants to be the, the bad guy, as it were. But having those, those tough conversations, directing them head on, I think the members will respect you more. Uh, and it's not a conversation that needs to come just from the executive board. The, the, the way of a chapter, the movement of a chapter happens on the other side of the table. So if you envision your chapter room and the executive board sitting behind a, a plastic folding table at the front of the chapter meeting and everybody else on the other side, having those one-on-one conversations throughout the entire academic year, being able to lead by example that you're not going to have, you're going to have zero tolerance on this. It's not the, the fist and the hellfire and brimstone, but indicating that as a part of this chapter, we're drawing a line in the sand that we will no longer condone this activity by the general membership or by any one membership. Lance, before we move on from hazing, what are we seeing with especially university tolerance in this area? We've talked about this changing landscape. What do you see? Sure. Cult, going back to culture. And do we have a community-wide culture or is this a chapter-wide culture? And even if we're the, the first offender in, in a year of never offending this situation, if the community has had some turmoil and had some issues, then the universities more often than not are, are going to put a cease and desist, uh, an interim suspension of activity to investigate the issue. Because as a university professional, as, a, as an administrator, your concern, main concern, is those students and their safety. And so the mere allegation of that could halt the experience for some period of time. Now we go back to the fairness of that. Is that fair? Maybe not. But in the, the evolving landscape where our membership, and I use membership, not just Pike, but the fraternal membership, right. has yet to get the get the picture that this is, should not be tolerated. And if nothing has changed, we're going to continue to see these things. Let's move on to sexual abuse. Sure. 
The fraternity's made an intentional effort to educate our membership on what is and is not sexual abuse. Uh, through Greek Life EDU, we talk about alcohol, we talk about hazing, we talk about sexual assault. And how often that may come on, on happen on a college campus, unreported in, in a lot of cases. But having that conversation, a lot of times the conversation is revolved around the alcohol in a social environment that leads to a situation that puts you in a compromising position. And there is so much education to be had in all these sections, but I think especially the area of sexual abuse, things like even we provide as an international fraternity, but going back to that education piece, it is so important to understand how we can mitigate some of these risks within our chapter, again, for those chapters that might have a higher propensity, maybe just by size of membership or other factors to violate some of these standards. Right. We're not talking about punitive acti activity. There's a number of things that we can do from a punitive side of the house for a chapter, uh, for a, a tool for a chapter to use. But we're really talking about the education piece to uh, to keep from these things, things from occurring. Uh, we want our members to have a, a positive fraternity experience. If this happens or things like that do happen, definitely could taint the, the member's experience, the person on the other end of that abuse, their experience, their collegiate experience, and as well as could lead to the demise of a chapter. So if we're talking about being our brother's keeper, we're talking about having those hard conversations early and often that we're not going to tolerate this, but we're also going to educate what that looks like and where those events happen. Right. You know your membership, you know how social your environment is. And again, I'm not saying it happens all the time in a social outlet, but especially early on in our membership that what we're not going to allow. When you're coming into here, what your preconceived notions of fraternity life is, or maybe a Pi Kappa Alpha at a different community, here at our campus, in this chapter, we do not allow it. And this is what it means for us. Drawing that line in the sand. 100%. This one's a little bit higher level, but fire, health, and safety. Sure. Uh, mainly pertains to or often is viewed at as if I have a, have a house. If I have a, a traditional fraternity facility, may it be a townhome, be it a dorm floor, or maybe a traditional fraternity housing either owned by the institution or a local housing corporation. But nevertheless, practice how you play. Do in, in our events that we have, is there fire, health, and safety issues? Do we need to be prepared for? What are our roots? Who are our calls? What is our call tree for a crisis management plan? The fraternity provides a resource at pikes.org backslash crisis on going through that checklist of who should be on that call list in case we have an issue, uh, be it the house corporation, the institutional contact, your director of services, and another point on the fraternity staff that you would call, in addition to the call entry that you'd have in your local chapter, be it your chapter advisor and other officers. Lance, for this next section, we have education. And going back to the conversation we had at the beginning of this episode, we have this expectation of education for these fraternity standards. I would love it if you would just go through this section in full and talk about the education in terms of expectations and what we want from our chapters. Right. The others are, are very black and white. Alcohol, hazing, drugs, sexual abuse, fire, health and safety. But education, why, why would we why is this looked at as a punitive aspect? Well, this isn't. This is what we want for our members. We want our members to be compliant. We want our members to have a safe fraternity experience. We want our members to continue to educate each other. Again, we talk going back to the chapter experience oftentimes is four years and the evolution of that. So if we have membership or officers that maybe skip over this process, the standards process, or don't read their handbooks, or don't download the resources online, or don't attend Pike University, Having resources like that and having the general member with knowledge of it can only be good for our members. So when we talk about reading this every academic year, or every semester and signing that, not just the chapter president, but when we're talking about reading it, what does this mean? So for instance, having alcohol at a ritual event. Well, what is having alcohol at a ritual event? Does that just mean for our new members? Does that mean for active members? Does that mean getting into the mindset of having ingested alcohol in a 24-hour period before that that might cloud our 
ability to to be a part of the ritual experience that we're about to partake in as a chapter. We talk about in the membership process, making them clear and having the members read it, sign it, understand it. Each new member shall complete Greek Life EDU. Again, making sure our members early on, and these are our potential new members that are coming on that have been given a bid, have been passed and vetted by our membership that we want them to be a part of our organization. This is the onboarding process for them. So this would include our bylaws, your chapter bylaws, or other chapter codes, IFC policies, but our Greek life policies, educating them on what the landscape looks like. What is alcohol abuse? What is sexual assault? What is what is hazing versus what they believe coming into college? And the expectation that our members attend Pike University. Uh, we have our, our, our three tracks and leadership summits and the chapter executives conference and the academy. Part of this is to understand the fraternity experience is a lot bigger than just my one chapter. And that, well, my chapter does it this way. Could you be doing it another way? And these events, again, provide the resources and the best practices from our outside facilitators and guest lecturers, as well as fraternity staff, but also that learning environment that's provided through the mutual exchange of ideas through our chapters. Lance, tell me about this Good Samaritan policy that we have. Sure. Passed at the 2018 convention. And the idea behind it is that too many of our members or too many situations come up without someone knowing what's going on, without someone knowing uh, what resources are afforded to them and how they can be, be of assistance, and be it through the institution, through an outside party, the fraternity staff. So if a member comes in, in, in across a situation that is a violation of fraternity standards, their bylaws, the Constitution chapter codes of the fraternity, uh, this allows them, or at least safeguards them, to understand that they have a safety net of sorts that by providing this information that there may be, more than likely than not, uh, no action taken against them if they're willing to come forward. Now, habitual offenders, that's a different ballgame. Violation of fraternity standards, again, might lead to a number of things, legal or otherwise. But again, this is to ensure, one, that, hey, look, we're not coming back after you. We're looking to empower our members to make the right decision in the wake of oftentimes tragic or life-threatening situations. It's surely about true health and safety for our members. Being our brother's keeper. The last section, Lance, and I know this is something that came down the pipeline after the 2018 convention in Richmond, this advisory support component. Tell me about that. Sure. For for the last number of years, we've had the idea and gone from being a single chapter advisor to an advisory board, a bench, a team of of capable, accredited volunteers that have the wealth of, of knowledge, history on their side, as well as the resources component provided to the fraternity and our best practices to educate and continue to educate the ever-revolving officer leadership executive board. This is a lever for our chapters. Again, this was voted on by our convention, which the beauty part of Pi Kappa Alpha, of the many things that, that we, we enjoy, is that our undergraduates have the vote, the majority vote, in the direction the fraternity goes. I can't say that about a lot of fraternities, maybe maybe less than a handful, but this is the decision of our undergraduates that we know that we need this. We need engaged alumni who are educated and who want to see the continued growth and development of our members and our chapters. But that communication goes both ways. It's not just our chapter membership. You know, We see this on both sides of the house, that we have an engaged advisory board that's, that's all fired up, and then we do, the membership doesn't reciprocate on that communication piece. And so intentional communication and being transparent. Uh, again, we were all in undergraduate once for the most of us. Uh, we have probably made it our fair share of mistakes, but learning from those mistakes and taking those those outcomes to be able to provide you with some direction, that mentor and coaching philosophy we talk about in our volunteer component to ensure that maybe you, you know, learn from your mistakes as well 
um, but the path may be a little bit smoother for you. Brother Horner, your perspective today has been so valuable. That's our show for the day. Thanks so much for your time. It's, it was great to finally have you on. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Pike Podcast. You can check out other episodes and show notes as well as resource links discussed at www.pikes.org podcast. Thanks again for listening. And as always, it's a great day to be a Pike. We'll see you next time.